0: Hi, everybody. It's kind of a Euro 2020 feel. A couple of times then, when I was recording my audios direct after a game with Spain or perhaps traveling to training, you could hear the background. Well, the background you can hear right now is the Basque country, uh, specifically the motorway between Bilbao, where I've just landed, and san sebastian where i'm going to spend the day filming it's um bucketing i don't know where you're listening but you all know that i'm scottish so when we say in aberdeen it's coming down like stair rods that's a little bit like what we're looking at here this there's greater light here this being spain there's just a light behind the clouds where the sun is is trying to say hello but at the moment it's bucketing, it's not nearly as wet as it was at Camp Now, where I worked on Tuesday night, watching Barcelona draw nil-nil with Benfica in a very interesting game. Two sides to like and admire on the night for very different reasons, but nonetheless, from my taste, it provided really high quality Champions League entertainment. And I was working with um, an Australian station that covers the Champions League, working with a very, very interesting uh, presenter, pitchside presenter, who's a former uh, international for Spain. And each was terrific to work with. In the studio, I think, we had Craig Foster, uh, Mark Bosnich, um, Max Rushton was there too. It was an all star cast. But on the way back from the touchline at Camp Nou, into the media tunnel where you can get out and then start to go up to the Press Tribune, there was a puddle from wall to wall, so deep that it went up halfway up my shins. So beautiful Italian loafers, soaked, uh, cheap jeans, soaked, uh, up to where your shin pads should stop. So that was a proper um, indication about how much persona. Are going to need to spend on renewing their stadium because boy, there were just puddles everywhere where there shouldn't have been puddles. It's going to be the same on the motorway now um, from here to San Sebastian, but I'm going to, the days are so busy at the moment, I'm going to seize this as a chance to record the column I wrote for ESPN FC, which was ahead of their successful trip to Tiraspol, where one of the players I'm going to mention emphasised why it was I wrote this way about him and his colleagues. At any rate, bear in mind that this was written on Monday after Real Madrid beat Granada and ahead of them travelling to Transnistria for their Champions League match against Sheriff Tiraspol. Here goes. When Carlo Ancelotti described Real Madrid's three regal midfielders ahead of Wednesday's Crucial Revenge match in Tiraspol, he was actually speaking for every confused kid who's ever asked his parents, why do racehorses wear blinkers? Or, who's that guy wielding a small stick and waving his arms around in front of the orchestra? At one stage or another, as inquisitive kids, we've all wondered why it's necessary to harness and impose shackles on natural, well-honed talent. For example, the horse, which runs like the wind, muscles rippling, ears pinned back, tail like a kite on a blustery day, but wearing big leather flaps on the side of his head, which look incongruous and as if they might drive the creature daft with irritation. Or the superb, well-tuned, 100-piece philharmonic orchestra made up of world-class violinists, flautists, pianists, vibrant strings, a brass section strong enough to blow the head off a pint of Guinness from 50 metres, towering timpanists and percussionists whose every cymbal crash could give you concussion. Why the heck do they need someone with arms flailing like a nutty professor strutting around in front of them and bossing them about? When you're young, neither of those ideas seem to make any sense. Leave a thoroughbred stallion alone and he'll romp home past the field, right? Let the musicians follow the sheet music and peerlessly beautiful sounds will then echo around the concert hall, unaided. Sadly, life's not that simple. Great horses can get distracted by the hubbub to either side of them. And if blinkers give them tunnel vision, they run straight. No energy wasted crisscrossing back and forth across the racetrack. Even the greatest musicians, without the conductor's baton prodding them, might slide into interpreting how they think Mozart should be played. If the cornet and the piccolo go in one direction, but the piano and the drum a couple of semi-briefs in the other, then sooner or later there'll be a very critical requiem Mozart's Requiem. However, Madrid's Italian coach happily admits that he's a football libertarian. From the school of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He watched his heavenly Croatian, Brazilian, German trinity destroy another domestic rival on Sunday, then argued that those three don't need blinkers, they don't need orders about how to make sweet music. Or practically any interference at all. Six goals or goal assists between them in the last three matches support his claim. Asterisk, Tony Cruz, added another one in Transnistria against Tiraspol. Ancelotti explained his position like this. He said, the level at which Kroos and Modric continue to play is extremely high. In my opinion they remain the best two midfielders in the world. But at this stage, I must admit that all three of them, including Casemiro, constantly do things which surprise me, things I've never asked them to, but which they come up with innately. They have the kind of overall quality which is hard to explain properly, particularly the way that constantly they interchange positions and responsibilities during a match. Sometimes Luka drops to pick up the ball, sometimes it's cross. Casemiro, in theory the defensive organiser, might push forward to help the attacking move. So you won't catch me interfering and ordering them how or where to move in a match. Beaten Granada coach Robert Moreno watched Madrid's free-spirited freestylers rip his team to shreds and emphasised, give Cruz and Modric time and space in which to think and you've already lost the game. So if you watched Los Blancos sticking four past Granada, Ancelotti's words make total sense. But if you're a devoted disciple of coaches like Unai Emery, Jorge Jesus, Luis Enrique, Rafa Benitez, Pep Guardiola, Antonio Conte or Julian Lopetegui, you'll already be sneering. The six coaches, aside from the Portuguese, have won 77 trophies between them. And many others from the my-team-my-rules school of thinking absolutely do not believe in Ancelotti's you-won't-catch-me-interfering-and-ordering-them-how-or-where-to-move-in-a-match. Ancelotti, Zidane and Vicente del Bosque, for example, are the doves. Give great players the right environment and then let them do their thing. Those coaches put the lightest of hands on the tiller. Conte, Benitez, Lopetegui, Luis Enrique, Guardiola, Emery, Jesus. They are the Hawks who believe that millimetres make a universe of difference when it comes to winning or losing. They're people who believe that they, not the players, know best that football is a systems game. They are the coaches who not only intervene in training... And ball out a guy whose body position or team position is wrong by a few centimetres, but who'll also grab hold of any of their stars, even the equivalent of a Cruiser or Modric, and physically haul them into a pitch position or roughly turn them so that they're facing the ball or a teammate in precisely the manner the coach has already ordered them to use. Guys like these theatrically demonstrate their belief that the more you shout, gesticulate, remonstrate, cajole and control your players during the heat of battle, the more likely you are to win. Up and down they leap, as if the insides of their shoes have upturned nails in them, ranting and raving at players who, at best, are pretending to hear and obey, but who more likely can't hear a damn word the boss is trying to communicate via manic miming and harsh words drowned out by 60,000 voices of fans. Between those two camps, if you're forced to choose, there's no automatic right and wrong. Yet it seems clear that the leave the top guys to do their stuff approach, one which has brought coaches like Zidane, Ancelotti and Del Bosque, the small matter of 10 La Liga or Champions League titles at Madrid alone, is not only a rare luxury, it's a dying art. Modric, Casemiro and Cruz have the privilege of massive football intellects, years of learning each other's thought patterns off by heart, and a fan base which yearns not only for victory, but style, panache, and five-star entertainment. Often, in this country at least, the needless debate about who was better, Xavi Busquets Iniesta or Modric Casemiro Cruz, is raised by fans or in the football media whichever way you choose, but the fact is that for all the brilliance of the three Catalans, I'm counting Iniesta as one now, they they played, for Barcelona at least, a highly regimented, intricately structured brand of system football within which they could invent and create. So, for my taste, One of the midfields, Madrid's, is all Robin Williams, stream of consciousness, improvisation. The other, Barca, the Marx Brothers. It looks like daring high-wire invention as they go, but it's all scripted and rigorously planned. However, ad-libbing is allowed. One of the reasons why Zinedine Zidane would likely be the wrong choice for Manchester United much though anyone who loves football will yearn to have Zizou back in the game soon, is that while he's talented and smart, the Old Trafford squad desperately needs detailed orders. A clear-cut philosophy which restores their confidence, rules which make squeezing out the massive talent in that team easier. So, an interventionist, intense coach. At Old Trafford and at Carrington, this is not the time for Zidane's light hand on the tiller and full steam ahead, lads. And while Ancelotti has strong justification for devolving huge responsibility to Modric Casemiro Cruz, I think there are problems. Just like the orchestra full of individual brilliance, but no conductor, there's no telling when beautiful harmony might be shattered by a bum note or someone who hasn't quite kept up the precise tempo. When he spoke after the Granada game, Ancelotti also put forward that, quote, the next ten years are covered for Madrid's midfield thanks to young, athletic and highly promising talents like Camavinga, Valverde and Blanco. What those youngsters represent and what the old guard don't have given that their combined age is 96, is the capacity to marry tremendous technical skills with relentless, hungry athleticism. In due course, thanks to these emerging talents, Madrid will be able to exhibit muscular power with and without the ball. Right now, however, Los Blancos are not only a little bit over-reliant on these three behemoths of talents, Ancelotti is allowing them to dictate how Madrid play. The personal importance of those three grows, but the importance of system football, where quality players are at least close to interchangeable, well, that diminishes. This week, Madrid have to go and win in Tiraspol. A four and a half hour journey each way to face a team which produced one of the great modern Champions League shocks by winning at the Bernabeu in September. Now victory is well within Madrid's locker and unless any of the three unbeknownst to us picked up an injury this week, that victory will probably be carved out by the Casemiro cross Modric trio. But stop for a second. Look at the next 15 days in the schedule which face Ancelotti and Cole. Following the tiring Tiraspol test, it's Sevilla and Athletic Club both at the Bernabeu Real Sociedad away plus Inter and then the Madrid derby at home. All-time greats though this midfield trio are they simply cannot carry Madrid through those five crucial matches in 15 days without some rest and rotation. So when coach Ancelotti takes back control of his midfield with some or all of the big three benched or it all together? Can he orchestrate enough from the distinctly underused understudies like Isco, Camavinga, Valverde, Blanco, Lucas Vazquez, and Asensio? Will Ancelotti be punished for the libertarian talent knows best approach, which brings such highs and lows? Watch the sequence of games coming up for Madrid. Think about it again, Sevilla, Athletic, La Real, Inter Milan, and then Atleti. Can Ancelotti dominate that section? And what follows, while still using the midfield trio the way he has been recently? Well, it's going to be fascinating to find out. The postscript to that, folks, is that Madrid looked very good in Transnistria. It was such an odd game in that Tiraspol showed again the way that they would learned Madrid's flaws, just like in the Bernabeu, but showed again that they're, like, years away from Los Blancos in terms of experience, individual talent, and right now, Spain's league leaders are playing well. I have to say, I don't want to be hypocritical because I hugely enjoy Madrid in the way that they play because it's a little bit improvised it's it's risky it does lots of things or shows lots of things that you'd like to eliminate from a team positionally they kind of just play we'll do what we want and see if you can catch us out football it's the absolute opposite of say the peak of a Rafa Benitez team the peak of Pep Guardiola's, Barcelona for example. Rafa Benitez insistent on positions, defensive responsibility first. Guardiola, space between men, space between lines, the press, how to recuperate position, when to punch, false nines. All of this is so different from Real Madrid, who simply say, you can't touch us. We're going to pass past you. Each of us can do special things that you can't keep up with. And when they run out of energy or if the top three are absent, then suddenly you get a lesser group of players still improvising because there hasn't been a system built. It's when it clicks, it's beautiful. It's one of the reasons that I think, sadly, Madrid still can't cope with let's say Liverpool or Chelsea at full tilt if they were to be drawn against them in the Champions League imminently English sides now the top English sides now play with a ferocity and a pace and an all for one spirit that does exactly what too few teams in La Liga do to Real Madrid, snapping at them positionally clever harassing them Breaking with pace, running past the midfield. This is the dilemma for Ancelotti. He's got what he's got. The money is being saved for bids in the summer for Mbappe and Haaland. Valverde's been out injured for too many weeks. How does he manage without becoming over-reliant on those three? That's my question. If you've got an answer... Or a further question about Madrid, send it in. We're having a a socials Q&A, which will be recorded early next week. Get your questions in by Sunday night or Monday morning. Very early. No, Sunday night. Get them in by Sunday afternoon or Sunday night. And Pete Jensen and I will try to answer them. For the moment, from the rainy Basque country and the backseat of a big black Mercedes. It's been nice sharing this with you.